Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. We are excited to have Gerald Jackson here with us today. We got introduced to Gerald through our founder. Um, he networked us up because we were talking about these things called AI and ML. And then we met Gerald and realized we were about 10 years behind. So um, <laughs> Gerald, tell, tell our listeners who you are, what you do, what your background is, and then we'll kind of get into some more of the nitty gritty, what you're doing with AI and ML today? Yeah, so I'm Gerald Jackson. I am broadly speaking a technology and data entrepreneur. Um, I've got a really, really mixed background. Um, a few careers ago, I was a psychotherapist at an outpatient psychiatry clinic in New York City. And then fast forward a PhD, um, business school, and about uh, 15 years of technology experience later, I find myself now uh, leading a fitness and wellness startup based in Houston, Texas, but also advising pretty widely um, across the health and wellness space. Slightly expansive. Yeah. Do you, um, I'm curious, like how did in, in the background, right, going from kind of medicine, then to business, now to technology, like, was there always this underlying theme of like, I mean, it sounds like in each of those, you just want to help people. I don't, I don't know if you maybe felt that way, but is that is there an underlying theme on that front? There is, yeah. The two themes are I want to have an impact and help people, but I also want to use data and technology to do that. So what I failed to mention is even going back to my undergraduate days, I was actually IT support at my undergraduate college. So I was I was a nerd. I mean, I my my father and I were building, you know, the big computers with the big boxes and the towers. I was building those as a kid. Um was uh, doing all kinds of things to, like, we had multiple, I convinced my parents to buy multiple AOL dial-up lines. Remember that? Like, way, way back, throwing it way back? Yeah. So I was Ayo. I was doing all kinds of really cool stuff back then with just, like, you know, kind of early, early stage internet and, and web. Um, built my first website when I was 10, that kind of kid. But then fast forward, even into college, like I said, I was doing kind of tech support things, um, was learning uh, about you know, early, early stage kind of statistics and advanced statistics and then eventually machine learning. Um, even uh, when I was doing psychotherapy work, my clinic, you know, ran lots of clinical trials. And so um, I became interested in not only implementing the evidence-based intervention, but also, you know, running some predictive analytics on why, right? Sort of, you know, why is something happening and what might happen if. So um, my PhD was from Mount Sinai School of Medicine, of course, the advanced statistics work I did there was a great parlay into more of the machine learning work. And then, you know, moving into industry and, you know, even through business school, um, started to, to do some machine learning based work. Initially, the industry was actually for a hedge fund. Um, so I started kind of in that world, which is highly regulated, or at least the work we were doing was, was more regulated, uh, it was more financial services. Um, on behalf of the hedge fund, and then of course into the wild, wild west of um, you know health and wellness, and worked in healthcare payments for a little bit. Um, had my first startup company in the health and tech world about 13 years ago with a colleague of mine at Mount Sinai. Um, exited that company a while back, but yeah, I've always been interested in kind of woven impact and data through all that I do. Man, tell me, I mean, it sounds, obviously you've got this diverse background. I think we're going to talk about some of the the uh, studies that you've done, right, or the work that you're publishing. But 
I'm just curious, what's your take on the last few weeks with all of the, maybe I'll call it not like government politics, right? But Sam Altman's out, uh, Anthropic, you know, does a big push right after that happens. Like, I don't know, what's the current uh, sentiment, at least from you, like in your mind, uh, you know, uh, for December? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, I look at all these big themes, right? Thematically, blockchain was huge when it first launched, and it tried to position itself as like, how is it practical? How does someone actually use this, you know, this technology to to make money, uh, to make something more secure, all those kind of things? You know, I, I I put generative AI in in a different bucket, but a similar workflow, which is that people are still trying to figure out an enterprise how to use this to make money or to make someone's life easier. A lot of folks, there's lots of sentiment around, am I going to lose my job? But really, it's like, what's the practical application of this? And, you know, the Sam Alton kind of movement, first he's fired, then he's back, and all that kind of stuff. That's just, to me, it's details, right? It's kind of just this new technology trying to settle itself in a marketplace. Um, I have to remind people that large language models, you know, may be new, this transformer network that... Um, that you know, GPTs are built on um, may be on the newer side of things, but language models are not new, right? Natural language processing is not new. So, as we think about, you know, people now AI is now synonymous with, you know, ChatGPT or, um, you know, uh, uh, Claude by Anthropic or, you know, um, so the, 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 these newer large language models. AI is synonymous with large language model, but language models are not new at all, right? There's a whole field of natural language processing that's been around for a long time. What's new is cloud computing resources. And I've got a sneaky suspicion, uh, Chase, that you know down the road, we'll probably actually see a bit of a reversion to the mean, where it's like, oh my gosh, there's too much access, it's too available, it's too yeah. scary, it's too understood. How do I go back to my private cloud? And then I'm not saying that we're going to be back to on-prem support, but it's like it's right. almost like you see these cycles where people get really excited. They adopt these early adopters. Something big happens. <laughs> people say, "Oh crap!" or maybe something a bit more explicit than that, and then it, re it reverts back to something even more secure. And you talk about people wanting to go back. I don't know how far back people want to go, but I have I have been known to tell you, Chase, that. Um, I would go back to the days of a landline sometimes because I'm so overwhelmed with like all of the availability that we have. It's a blessing that, you know, we've got all these incredible technologies that make it a, people can work from wherever. Right. Um, but then I just think about, man, wouldn't it be nice to just like, you know, like, I just wasn't at the house. Sorry, I missed your call. <laughs> you know, sorry, I didn't get your text, you know, cause it, I think it would be great. I think it would be great. And, you know, I think you know, what comes to mind in terms of old technology that's currently having its heyday is the QR code, right? The pandemic oh, brought, yeah. the, brought the QR code to us. Um, that's not new, right? But they're, right. it's finding new applications, right? Which I think is really, really funny. Um, but it's a fairly, you know, um, secure way to, to transmit information, to understand who someone is, uh, et cetera. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that... Um, Chase, to your original question, I, I think the last month has brought us maybe only the beginning of what we'll see probably through the next, I'd say, you know, handful of quarters at this point. Um, some new release, people are chasing AGI, right? Uh, some new, like some new new application of what we're, we're trying to do will come out. The, the one theme I'll say that I think is really interesting is um, both in the work I currently do and in some work uh, I'll be writing about soon and publishing soon, 
I think that doing this responsibly is going to be the key. So I think how, how, partially how this plane lands at enterprise and at scale is you know doing all this generative AI work responsibly. Yeah, you you bring up a great point. We were Mel and I were talking about predictions for the next year, and one of those, at least in my mind, is people are going to be utilizing the technology in a way where they're not really going to talk about the underlying, um, like the underlying structure, right, of what they're doing. They're just going to come to market with a new product. Um, and I think we maybe see a little bit about that with the how the large language language models are trained, right? Where are they getting the data set from, right? And uh, you know, it seems to be like, well, they just scraped the entire web, and uh, maybe maybe there's some moral implications behind that, but they did it, and here we are. And going back you know, to your idea of like the reversion of the mean, right? Um, now that there are models and the weights are out there for you to download. Uh, we have some colleagues internally that are running these models on their servers at home and we're, you know, we've got all the VPNs set up, right? And we can just play around and we're not racking up giant, you know, electricity bills. So <laughs> I can see it going a ton of ways, actually. Um, um, we were just like running cost analysis to figure out like relatively inexpensive GPUs, right, mm -hmm. that most gamers use use a whole lot less electricity if the if it's already trained, right? You're just kind of utilizing, you know, ex existing power and maybe you're ramping up a, the electricity bill a little bit, but I mean, we're talking like maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, so I'm curious if as we kind of pivot to how your team uh, and the folks that you were working with and the different initiatives that you're working on, are you bringing where do you sit on that spectrum of responsible use and how are you incorporating that into the work you're doing? So, so, so currently I think about this a couple of different ways. Um, as a technologist, I like solutions that are less monolithic and more modular. Those aren't complete opposites, but what I mean by that is a monolith, broadly speaking, is something you build for one purpose. Um, more of a modular architecture is an architecture that literally is built you know, as a sum of multiple parts, and you can swap out this part and optimize it whenever you want to. You can swap out this part and optimize it. Oh, this part over here failed. That's okay. The whole system didn't fail. You can swap out that one part. So um, the way I think about this to date has been very modular. And the LLM component of any solution, any kind of broadly speaking, any automated solution, um, has to be modular. So being LLM agnostic, first and foremost, to me has been critical and launching products at scale, um, particularly uh, products that are, that are B2B, um, because different businesses may have a different perspective on you know, what large language model they want to use. They may have a preference. For example, Claude by Anthropic, uh, not to, and by the way, I don't, I don't get paid by any of these folks, right? So, but Claude by Anthropic <laughs> is one example of, of one that has been pretty forthright about, you know, they've actually published white papers about how they're doing what they're doing. Um, and they've been very transparent and they kind of have gone to market as this, you know, responsible, trustworthy LLM. Others uh, have not been quite as transparent uh, about you know, what they're training on, how they're training their, their, their model, et cetera. All of these can be considered a foundation model. So as you all uh, were kind of alluding to, you can, you know, you, and in my, in my case in particular, uh, kind of so far, I've launched these different solutions 
um, in an LLM agnostic way, which means I can swap out LLMs as I, as I want to in a very modular sort of architecture. And then I can, um, I can very responsibly, uh, based on the use case, deploy uh, this technology. So for example, a marketing copy use case. Main, a, a, you know, people refer to LLMs as hallucinating. It may actually be more of a feature versus a bug. I want extreme creativity for marketing, right? Like, I, I mean, give me the give me the the top five thousand examples of how to take these three concepts. If I'm prompt engineering, take these three concepts or you know this bucket of words, or and give me five thousand different versions of you know sentences or whatever the you know the, the use case is. If I'm recommending some very specific actions for someone to take, however, I don't want that level of creativity. You can actually ramp up and ramp down, they're called hyperparameters, how creative you want these LLMs to be. Um, another way to make these things responsible is to pair them with a recommendation engine or some more structured way um, that you actually want to deliver actions and sort of you know next steps. So um, this is one critique I have about, about some of the OGs in the recommendation space. So take, for instance, Netflix. Netflix is a prolific company with a prolific recommendation engine along the lines of Amazon Prime or other companies. These big, big, massive companies worth billions of dollars. Um, These recommendation engines, which are not Gen Gen AI, they primarily recommend that you just consume more, buy more, watch more. I've never had Netflix say, Hey, hold on, brother. You've watched too much today. Or, <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, yeah, Amazon Prime. You've bought too many, you know, uh, PP pads for your dogs. Like, uh, they, like these, these, it's, it's, they, they, they're driving consumption, consumption, consumption. Whereas, I think a more responsible way to leverage, let's say, Gen AI is to instead of just have it drive a conversation kind of into a hole and potentially into a direction that you don't really want, is to pair it with. Um, a very intelligent way of 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 recommending something to someone, um, in a way that is a bit more guided, and might even kind of say, "Hey, maybe 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 calm down today. Maybe don't do so much today. Don't don't do the most today." Right. So there are some responsible ways to leverage Gen AI, and I think it really depends on the on the use case. I like that thought a lot. I even see some of this. I don't know how much you played around with ChatGPT, but like. They have they have different versions of the same model, right? And from version to version, like maybe it gets better or maybe it gets worse, right? And I think a lot of in the background they're trying to manage their their electricity bill, right? Just to be like go real broad, um, but also you know provide more functionality, but at a lesser cost. So they're constantly adjusting their weights or you know whatever. Right. But the end user doesn't know the difference. Like, oh, you're so right. Yesterday we were talking about um, the trend around mental health and like people using these models as sort of therapists. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know, benefits that's being touted is like the accessibility. It's there all the time. You can always talk to it. Um, But hadn't really considered the possibility of like, maybe there is such thing as too much consumption and something that can help kind of, you know, we were talking about, well, with a, with a therapist or a counselor, you're kind of locked into your, 30 minutes or your hour for that week. But if it's chat GPT or Claude, you know, they're there for you. Um, so I'm sure there's pros and cons on both sides, but I think that idea around consumption is really interesting. Well, you have, you have like this high level of like, well, now you're talking to the therapist GPT, 
right? Or you're talking to the coach GPT and like different personalities almost, right? But at, at under that, you could be flipping out models based on how like how much knowledge we need this person this personality to have, like, and you could make it a feature, right? Like, well, here's the expert coach, right, that knows everything about everything, but. Oh, I don't, you maybe you're paying half as much and now you get like the, I don't know, like the, the high school coach, you know, like there's different, <laughs> I can see, I can see use cases across the board. Um, and I too wouldn't call them bugs, right? They're features. It's providing a level of functionality to somebody while at the same time flipping out like the modular idea that you had, um, where you can flip out a model, but not interrupt that user experience. Uh, just like you were talking about Gerald. Yeah, um, I think I think Chase to your to your point earlier too about you know GPT three point five versus GPT four and different versions and they'll have this they're I know OpenAI is working on a, on a version five right now as well if we're talking about OpenAI specifically. Um, what's tough about that you know if you're just purely going through OpenAI to build an entire product and once again I don't get money nor do I I don't get anything you know pros or cons from, from speaking about it, but just me observing as a consumer and someone that builds products uh, using these things, it is kind of terrifying because literally they could have an, uh, you know, an announcement tomorrow that says that, you know, they've come out with GPT-5 and they're downgrading 3.5. You know, and you don't know what that means. Is the knowledge base changing? Is the word vectorization strategy in the back end changing? Mm. Um, if and when you're working with a product or a solution that's not as transparent, that's what you get. On the other hand, there are you know, the major cloud providers, Microsoft Azure, of course, as being the main one. They're serving up these models, really all, all the major ones, um, Claude, GPT, et cetera. They're setting them up as managed services, meaning you pay those companies for a stable version of those models. That is not going to change as OpenAI kind of wishes. Um, so in doing so, what you get is a more, um, if you go through Azure and pay a little bit more money, you get a, uh, a more stable product that you can rely on. Well, I don't know how close you stayed to the the dev day, the OpenAI dev day. I, I put my application in, but I'm apparently not. Uh, I was waiting on my press pass. Yeah. <laughs> We're not well known enough to get uh, access to that. But within that <laughs> one day, right, they blew all of the, the chat bots, right, that have popped up out of the water and just, I mean, maybe didn't completely put them out of business, but I know I saw several Reddit posts that were like, <laughs> I just lost my entire business that I've been working on for the past six months. And it's like, yes, well, yeah, when the technology is shifting that much, like you have to be prepared for that. Um, but I like your thought on the Azure piece, right? It provides a level of stability for, you know, the, the SMB space, right? Like the enterprise, hey, I want to build a product off of this. But if you want bleeding edge, I mean... You gotta be you gotta be prepared to go off the edge, you know, almost like because tomorrow it could change. You know, GPT five might do everything that we're already talking about and more. Yeah, and I, I gave the blockchain example. I mean, we saw the same thing in crypto, right? So if you were invested in, you know, Bitcoin or um, Ethereum, you're great, big, stable. If you have one of the meme coins, you might lose. You might. You might. You might be able to afford a new shirt on one day and you might lose two shirts the next day. <laughs> kind of just, <laughs> it's all, it's all over the place. It's, it's, um, it's exciting, but you know, I think it also kind of facilitates for me that, and this is what I'm, 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 I'm writing about, uh, these days. I'll say as well in general, and this is kind of a general place to find these things. Um, www.nearthe-loop.com. 
near the loop, as in human in the loop. So L-O-O-P. So neartheloop.com is where I'll, I'll publish these musings kind of over time. But my thought is the following. Um, long before ChatGPT, you know, and even OpenAI kind of, uh, you know, changed the game really this year, last couple of years, there's been a lot of thought around, you know, AI systems without a human in the loop. And I think there are a number of industries where that can certainly work. Once again, I mentioned the idea of marketing copy. I'm not a marketer and nothing against marketers. But there's a, there's a certain world where you can generate a bunch of copy really, really fast. Um, do I want my attorneys to be billing me a billable hour but using GPT to spin up legal documents? Uh, probably not, right? So I want a human in that loop um, for sure. Do I want um, my you know local doctor's office uh, using some GPT-based um, you know, uh, or enhanced radiology technology? To, no, I probably don't, right? I, I want an actual human. I, I might, it's okay if a machine takes things a certain percentage of the way with certainty, but I still love a human in the loop. Well, the concept I have is what if a human was near the loop? Maybe not in the loop the whole time and maybe not fully autonomous, but what if a human was near the loop to where, especially in some regulated industries or industries where the stakes are pretty high, you have a built-in mechanism to where you have a human who can still make sure that you know the actual machine or the bot is still on the rails because I think you know um, I think it's funny. Last time I was in San Francisco, uh, I tried the, the, the autonomous driving cars. I applied to you know to be able to get. I was on the list for Waymo for a couple of years. Got off the list recently. Tried a Waymo for the first time. It was awesome. But anyone that's been to San Francisco knows that you oftentimes see a human in the driver's seat of a Waymo. You're like, wait a minute, I thought it was self-driving. <laughs> there's still occasionally a human, and there's articles published about this, both academically and, and, um, and non-academically. There are still occasionally humans in that, in that loop, right? There are humans in the driver's seat who are assisting that vehicle's data collection with all of its thousands of cameras, um, because we still can't quite get away from you know, a human giving feedback. Yeah, I always do a gut check with Chase. Um, every so often, I'll play this game with him. Like, let's go back and forth and list the different things that can't be automated or taken over by AI. <laughs> and I still have like, there's there's those like fly fishing or mm. being some kind of in-person yoga instructor or something like the things to your point, Gerald, that you were talking about, like we still desire to have a human near the loop, even if we want, you know, additional insights or data. Um, Cause I think even when I brought up the fly fishing example, you're like, well, what if I had the ability to, it could correct my movements and stuff. Yeah. Great. But you're the one still doing it. Right. You're still a human near the loop or in, I don't know, maybe I'm not using the right no, that's, example I mean, for that, but it's just a different use case. Um, I don't, I don't foresee anybody absolutely loving the day where they don't have to interact with anybody whatsoever, <laughs> but there's also nobody to interact with, mm. you know, like man on the moon all by themselves, totally disconnected. And all they've got is their large language models. Like I don't Correct. see somebody being like, Correct. give that to me any day. I'll do it right now. You know? <laughs> um, on average. What about, what about when the robot is talking to another robot, you know, the agent idea, the auto GPT, some of these GitHub repos, right, that are trying to get um, the large language models to talk to each other before they ask for a recommendation. Do you see that really exploding and really being like a really big deal? And now you've got like 20 different agents, right, working <laughs> on a project. Or is it really just in your mind going to be like, yeah, there's one 
agent, you know, one super strong agent and does most of the work and you have the human next to that agent and they work side by side. I definitely see a world where, uh, industry, right. Um, we're going to try it. We're going to have, we're going to try this agent to agent, um, set of interactions at scale. Um, I know it's being tested and I'm certain that, um, you know, there are industries where this will make a lot of sense. I see that entire sort of collection of efforts hitting a ceiling at some point where there's some pretty measurable negative impact. And I mean, you know, not just people losing their jobs, but, um, once again, long before generative AI, there's there have been concepts of you know reinforcement learning, for example, right? Uh, it's a basic behavioral uh, kind of concept rooted in all sorts of behavioral theories, where with the right reinforcements in place, effectively. This is not an official definition for my behaviorists out there, so don't pin me to the, to, the, to the stake on this one. But if you have a series of of um, of, uh, of consequences built in, you, both negative and positive, you can teach a machine, or in this case, a bot, an automated system to almost learn over time. Um, there's some, some famous examples of people attempting this work and then kind of on the side, hush, hush, secretly teaching it rules to expedite the process of learning uh, through reinforcement because reinforcement, true reinforcement learning can like in a fully automated way can take a really long time. It's not very efficient. But I do think that there will be industries where you know, we will attempt to have agent to agent and maybe even multiple agents interacting. But I think it will hit a ceiling at, at some point and people will realize that for act for for interactions that have actual consequence, like real day to day consequence, we will need to have a human near the loop. Well, that makes a lot of sense too, right? Fully automated, too much risk, right? It could just explode, and your whole business model goes under. Um, not out of the loop, or maybe like no AI, right? Is maybe not necessarily the best either, because now your competitors are going to find a way to use it. But in the loop, right, where the AI is doing enough work to expedite what you're doing, actually scales, right? Because now you can have these agents, right, or whatever they end up being, help you do your work or elevate these things, right? And it makes you faster or better than your competition. And in the business world, not that customers aren't our primary focus, but um, I mean, if you're not in business because your competitor puts you out of business, you really can't help a whole lot of people, right? So... It's in most businesses' interest, right, to pick up this stuff, start to learn it, start to figure it out, at least be aware of what's going on. Um, but, Gerald, I've got to ask. I know most of us, definitely you, deal in, like, the uh, objective world, like statistical, give me the numbers, right? Let me look at the data. <laughs> but you mentioned something that I think, well, the rumor, so here we're going subjective for a second, right? But the rumor uh -oh. was that Sam, Sam was out, because they developed uh, a model that can learn, right? And maybe the rumor was it's not, you know, super crazy, but it demonstrated the ability to learn without, you know, rules or like sidebars or things like that. So I'm curious, like, are the rumors just totally, you know, not a thing because it's not even possible yet? Or is there a chance that they came out with something or they've built something that can learn and maybe it's rudimentary, but if it can learn at all, right. And it can learn at any rate whatsoever, like that's game changing. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So once again, I, I, I think that the core of this is reinforcement learning. There's even reinforcement learning with human feedback. These are all things that, um, for a while now, you know, 
current and former employees of of the kind of big tech, right? So Meta and Alphabet uh, have published on these for a long time. There, there's really a few players, the two of them, and maybe a couple of others that actually have the data sets big enough to train these massive, massive foundation models on billions of parameters. And um, the human feedback part typically comes into play when you have some expert level feedback, right? So, but the use cases get really nuanced. You can't collect human feedback on every topic known to man, right? That's just something that's not even feasible. So um, I definitely think the technology is there to give it a, to, to, to give this general purpose foundation model um, that can learn autonomously. Uh, I definitely think the technology is there. The data sets are there. My concern still is in the nuances and um, specifically the nuanced use cases. So once again, do I want an autonomous system doing my taxes? No. Do I want an autonomous, autonomous system even making my coffee? Heck no. Do I want like, you know, I think there, there are still some specific use cases where depending on, you know, at the end of the day, things that we as humans really, really care about, and there's a long list of them and they're all individualized. Those are the things where I think that, um, as a professor of mine said uh, many years ago, models are beautiful, but they're not real people. So we're still in that realm where we've got, you know, we've got models that can do really amazing things, but they, at the end of the day, they, they aren't real people. It sounds a lot of like what we were talking about the other day is that original content is king it, from a mark, you know, like in the marketing space, you know, like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to really truly replace the humanity in humans with something like AGI, right? Because they yep. don't, they won't ever, maybe they won't ever get there. I'll, I mean, I'll, I won't say never, but um, I think there's a long stretch of time you before pretty, we do. You can get pretty far now with, with deep fakes, right? I've seen some pretty convincing deep fakes. And if you use that as a medium to deliver a message in a very visual way, combined with, let's say, a script that's either generated dynamically or, you know, or previously, you can do a lot to communicate that. But I think we also run up, in, run up against um, regulation, right? So our current administration has, has put out you know, probably the biggest, most opinionated piece on, um, you know, how some of this might begin to shape up in terms of regulation. And who knows where that's going to go? I'm not, I'm not going to touch that topic with a 10 foot pole, but I think, I think that, um, that, that regulation will likely come into play here. And there seems to be, there's, there seem to be a, a few lines in that sort of initial regulation, uh, regulatory piece that could potentially put some pressure on deep fakes for the primary reason of, of course, preventing bad actors from convincing people that something is real when it's actually just generated by some automated system. You're reminding me of something that I was thinking about the other day, how I, I think of the Cold War, right? And it was a race uh, to, to arms, right? The nuclear arsenal. And not to be drastic, but we're definitely on a race with other countries, right? Yep. To get this technology harnessed, to figure out how to use it well. And whoever is really first to beat the others may never, you know, get out of first place. Um, so... There's a whole geopolitical, you know, thing going on there that we probably don't have a ton of time to talk about. Um, but I'm curious, you know, uh, you obviously know what you're talking about. You've got a ton of experience in this space. If if I'm a listener wanting to find more out about you and what you've done, like, do I go to LinkedIn? Are we on TikTok? What's your, like, where should I go <laughs> find more about what you've done in your research and at work and in things like that? 
Yeah, I'm not nearly cool enough to be on TikTok, so I'll just start that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely, you know, easy to find on LinkedIn um, or just Googling my name. So Gerald M. Jackson or Gerald Jackson, J-E-R-R-O-L-D Jackson. Um, GeraldJackson.com leads to my LinkedIn. So that, that certainly is, is, is handy. Um, as I said, as well, certainly heading into um, to Q1 of 2024 and, and, and ongoing, I'll be publishing a lot of my thoughts here on the Near the Loop concept. So um, www.neartheloop.com. Um, I think there, there are pretty easy applications in the world that I currently play in, the sort of health, wellness, and fitness world. And I think certainly beyond, as you think about things that people care about, financial services, um, how we travel from point A to point B safely, et cetera. Well, we look forward to continuing to follow um, what you do on this topic, Gerald. I know this has been a really fun conversation for us. We geeked out on our intro conversation prior to that. So thank you for spending the time with us. And uh, we look forward to, like I said, seeing where all this stuff goes. We'll probably have to check in with you at some point next year. Totally. We'll have you back. We'll have you back and we'll figure out like how much of our predictions were right and how much, you know, they were so far off because we weren't thinking that far out. So... Well, Gerald, thanks for thanks for joining us. Everything that uh, we've talked about today, like Mel said, is top of mind for a lot of what we've got going on in-house that we're doing for our clients. If you're listening to today's episode, uh, check out Gerald on LinkedIn um, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We'd love to hear what you guys have to think. Uh, but until we see you again, keep it automated. Keep it automated.